dun, dun, dun. we're back. Uh, and we're talking today about something that we were just thinking is a, it's a Christian life metaphor. It's used a lot in the Bible, but even more than uh, what we talked about, plants and soldiers and, and body parts, this is integral to God's way of, yeah, the whole Bible, <laughs> God's way of telling us the story. It's, it's woven in it. And this is the priest. Yes, the, the child of God as a, well, a Christian as a priest. Yeah. Yeah. And we're in this series, and I was thinking of it, it's, it's Christian life as a priest. So yeah. that's going to take on an interesting part of our conversation. But I think a place to start is, we're talking about like a body part, like everybody knows. You've got hands and eyes, and it's very basic. And uh, even... Uh, the office of a soldier, you know, you're going into battle and fighting. The leaves grow on trees, they have branches, they have a trunk. But a priest, what is a priest? <laughs> it's, I mean, I think of, mm-hmm. like, shaman, shake, cool, mystical guy, or, like, strange, monkey, monkish, like, very devoted spiritual person. Usually a guy, mm-hmm. maybe celibate. Okay. I mean, my first thought is the Old Testament priest. Yeah. With the, <laughs> the big, you know, from the comic book Bible, with yeah. the 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 twelve jeweled breastplate, breastplates yeah. and the white robes and some big poofy hat. Yes. Yeah. And slaughtering animals. A big white beard. Yeah. yeah. And the fluffy hat. Yeah, I remember the, the hat. Fluffy yeah, hat. there has to be a hat. <laughs> For well, no, never. Directly recorded, I think there has to be. I think there time. was actually. There's, a, there's like a hat of some kind or a bonnet. It might a be bonnet. The <laughs> I think James version. Yeah. Um, okay, but what does a priest do? Yeah. Why have a priest? Hmm? Yeah. Well, wasn't the priest actually instituted with Aaron because Moses was too chicken? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But I want to ask you this question: okay. Is Aaron the first priest? No. No, he's not. This brings a really interesting question to this discussion because I feel like we're jumping ahead, but we're not. The first not. the first priest in the Bible who's ever mentioned is this guy named Melchizedek. And high priest of Salem. Yeah, high priest of King Salem. King of Salem. King of Salem, priest of, of, of God, basically. God. And he's like this dude that, I mean, it's an amazing story of Genesis. Um, he just comes from nowhere, basically. And uh, Abraham is like, you're the priest of the Most High. I'm going to tithe to you. Uh, and they were counted as, as Abraham tithing to God. So this was mm-hmm. like a priest of God. And we have no idea much yeah. about him except he gets referenced later in the bible and we know that his yeah because his priesthood is greater than all the other priesthoods because abraham the priest came from abraham the abrahamic priest right like the mosaic priest. yeah but abraham tithed to melchizedek so it shows that melchizedek is like the ultimate priest which is important later when we learn that jesus is the high priest after the order of melchizedek yeah, so it's like anyway. So all this comes down to the first, the first priest in the Bible is 
kind of the last priest in the Bible. And what, so. he, what Melchizedek did as a priest, we know that he received tithes. That's one thing. So he, that gives us a little insight into what a priest does. They function. They, they kind take of, money from people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they function kind of as a surrogate for God because Abraham wanted right. to give to God, and so he gave to Melchizedek. Right. And that's how the Hebrews did it too. They would give to the priests, the Levites. They would give their there, some offerings went to the Levites to support them, mm -hmm. and some went to their feasts or whatever. Or, yeah, some went to, directly the to the priests, too. Yeah. Okay, priest. so they definitely functioned as this sort of go-between. And I think in all religions, you think of a, a priest as someone who mediates or, yeah. or is a go-between, whether an oracle of some kind speaking for God or... Uh, someone who brings offerings to God or, mm -hmm. or consecrates things uh, to God or gods <laughs> in different yeah. religions. Um, okay. And so then, obviously, Christian life as, as priests, we're, we're talking about sort of a biblical priesthood. And the first one that we're given a lot of information about is the Aaronic priesthood. <laughs> The, the priesthood in, in Old Testament that is talked about in Exodus, uh, it formally instituted with lots of rules in Exodus and Leviticus. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what do we know about Aaron as a priest and what his job was? Well, their main job was to offer sacrifices for sin, right? That was, and, and that's how they're talked about in Hebrews. It's like they daily they're offering for sins that that can never actually be effective. Um, but that's all they every day, all day, every day, just killing animal after animal after animal. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, just trying, just pushing ahead that mountain of sin, as this one song says. Yeah. Knowing they do it all over again. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Because we would think of priests, so this is sort of what priests do in terms of like kind of their, their everyday action. But there was like this prerequisite that I think exists in all kinds of religions, but it for sure existed in, uh, in Judaism. And it was this idea of consecration, mm -hmm. where the whole point of being a priest was not that you it was your job to offer sacrifices. It was that you were the, the person who could offer sacrifices that would be acceptable uh, to God. Yes. So there's, a, there's a, like a bunch of stories in Exodus about people um, doing things or offering sacrifices uh, that are not acceptable yeah. <laughs> to God or or standing in the place, quote, in the place of a priest. And they're yeah. not acceptable to God because they weren't properly consecrated. Mm -hmm. And so I think of that as actually the first job of a priest is to become clean. Ah. Yeah. Well, and how do you become clean? You Because... <laughs> And I'm looking at this verse just right here in yeah. Hebrews. So Mickey is, for context, Mickey's looking at Hebrews. 
And I've been reading like through numbers. The and, oracle <laughs> of all so we're getting stuff. Very different, um, very different views of the same thing. Yeah, the Hebrews book of the New Testament. Hebrews is much shorter. Yeah, and now we're like in the Old Testament. I've gotten through Exodus and Leviticus, and I'm in Numbers now. Yeah, but but it says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for Mm -hmm. men and and things from men to God. And then in verse 4 of chapter 5, it says, and no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Yeah. So Aaron was called, and and the Levites were called. Yeah. And the, the children of Aaron were called. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, at first, actually, the firstborn were called. But then God said, I will take the tribe of Levi instead of the firstborn. Which oh. is kind of interesting. Uh, which ties into this narrative in Egypt where all the firstborn in Egypt were killed. Yes. And, so, and so, in a sense, all the firstborn of Israel were, like, saved by God in that. Which yeah. Is kind of, and so God says, they are mine. <laughs> That's my portion. Hmm. It's an, yeah, it's an interesting. That's an interesting part of this. But regardless, they're chosen by God mm-hmm. in the uh, in in Exodus, and then they're cleansed. And so the the cleansing was of well, of the original priesthood mm-hmm. was this process of of ritual cleansing that was being clothed in the right garments and washing themselves in certain ways and offering sacrifices for the priest's individual yeah. sin that were different than the sacrifices of cleansing were different than like the sacrifices for sin and trespass. Yeah, and this this part in, in Hebrews 5, it's just so great, okay. <laughs> but he is compassed with, he himself is compassed with infirmity, and by reason thereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. Right. But I think that it's important that they were called of God, because even if um, Korah had purified himself with all of the rituals, that still wouldn't have been acceptable to God. Because so, he hadn't been chosen. Because, exactly. Yeah. So I yeah, think... And we see this. We uh-huh. see this in the story of Aaron and Miriam mm-hmm. in Numbers. Where Aaron and Miriam think that they should be able to enter into the presence of God in the temple without Moses. And be the, sole, be the principal communicators to God along with Moses. Mm-hmm. So equal standing. And... God very strongly tells them that, no, I've chosen Moses to be mm-hmm. the one I talk to, and you guys yeah. have your own role, and you should stick to that. Yeah, and be grateful that Moses tells you what's going on, you know? So. And so there's this strong idea of, like, God choosing the people who can enter into his presence in the Old Testament. Yes. Yeah. So now that we've sort of established that the priest is there to offer for sins and he must be chosen of God and he also takes money from people, should we, um, who is a priest now? Why don't we have priests in Baptist circles, Ian? Why don't we call our pastors father, whatever? Well, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think if the if the if the mode of, of what priests did changed up to the time of Jesus. 
and and it did because we had this time of exile. It did practically, but it there was yeah. no actual revelation there was no, from God. There was no revelation from God should. saying it should change, and so. Yeah. We believe as Christians that the revelation from God that it was to change came in the form of a man who was a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he actually claimed even before he died, according to the, the Gospels accounts, that he was going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. And, um, well, I mean, I didn't think about this until just now. But the moment, I think, when this became clear, even before the author of Hebrews decided to make it crystal clear for me, <laughs> is that um, when Jesus died on the cross, the I think several gospel authors, I don't remember which ones exactly, but they point out that Jesus... The, the veil of the temple rent yes, from top to bottom. Yes, we didn't even talk about bottom, that. <laughs> right? And so that is like God's message right then and there saying that that's enough. Like, yeah. I, I'm opening the temple. Yeah. The sacrifices are complete. So let, let's talk about this veil before we go veil. any further. Because we've talked about priests having to cleanse themselves in order to offer sacrifices. But then there was this idea of the high priest entering behind the veil every year mm-hmm. to offer incense directly in the presence of God. Because the presence of God was sitting in the temple or the tabernacle, actually in there. Mm-hmm. And people would die if they came in if they weren't clean. If they yeah. weren't properly consecrated. If including they weren't, the high priest. Yeah, including the high priest. Wasn't- yeah. Clean enough. So the Jewish tradition is that they had a rope attached to his ankle. And they had bells. On and their bells. Rope. Yeah, there were bells to make sure you're still walking around in there. I so, would not want that so job. Who, <laughs> anyways, so, but he was entering, so the priest was entering beyond this veil that was in what was called the Holy of Holies, in the innermost uh, chamber of the temple. And once a year would enter into offer incense in the presence of God. So this idea of the veil that we're, that we're talking about, the veil in the temple, uh, was this line of separation that protected sinful, unclean people from the pure, perfect, sin-intolerating mm-hmm. holiness of God. Just the presence of God that could not, could not tolerate Contact. evil yeah. of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the the veil was a, a veil of protection. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus died, somehow that protection wasn't needed anymore because yeah. God's glory. I, I don't know how it works, okay. but the point is <laughs> that that Jesus was the final sacrifice that actually atoned for sins. All of the others' sacrifices were were simply, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They were like covering the sin, but Christ cleansed the sin. Yeah. And so we know that we are all able to come before God and function like the priests 
were, but not in the capacity of offering for sins anymore, because that's been done, but in the other capacities. Yeah. So I think going back to this, this veil, um, in the time of the Second Temple period, according to the Old Testament accounts in, in Ezekiel, um, and it can be inferred, I think, in, in Ezra, the wailing when the new, when the second temple is built, mm-hmm. um, the old man wailed because the presence of God had gone out mm-hmm. from the temple of Solomon and it never came back. Mm-hmm. And so this second temple was a place where there was a veil and the presence of God actually was not on the other side of the veil mm-hmm. necessarily. Though we do, we have the account with John, John the Baptist and the, and the priest. But anyways, um, the, the, the other thing that the veil represented, apart from sort of like a protection from God's holiness, was this idea that the only way to interact with God's presence was to consecrate yourself according to the Old Testament rituals mm-hmm. and pass through the veil. Uh, and so we God has said in many parts of Scripture that he's not just inside the temple there. He's mm-hmm. everywhere, and God could see everything in, in, in Isaiah. This idea of God seeing the sins of his people outside. While God's sitting in the temple, God's also outside, seeing all the sins of the people who are gathering for their solemn gatherings around the temple. He sees that they're not worshiping him with pure hearts. Mm-hmm. And so so God this whole time is saying, guys, I'm not just in the temple. I'm out here. I'm watching your hearts and your actions. And you guys are sinning. And the whole point of me coming down and being with you is to help you be better people. And become reunited with me. Yeah, and I think that's an that's a really interesting point because, like, it's not like God instituted the priesthood just so that they could sacrifice for sins continually, but He no. actually wanted to commune with His people. It's just they had to do all of these things just to be able to handle the small chunk of God's presence that he had in this one very specific place because otherwise his glory would just consume them. And so it was never about, it was never primarily about the sin, really. It was about God wanting to commune with his people. And the sin was just in the way. Yeah, exactly. And so this Mm -hmm. idea of Jesus tearing the curtain with his death is the idea of a sacrifice being performed that is so perfect that it no longer necessitates any kind of ritual cleansing to enter into the presence of God. It means that there is another better way that has replaced the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was something that was expected even in the Old Testament. Like, there's that the verse in Isaiah that says you will be named the priests of the Lord and then we'll call you ministers of our God. So like there was, it was anticipated that somehow people would be able to commune with God and share God with other people, even without yeah. being part of the traditional priesthood. Yeah. There's a, there's system. a, there's a theory of like this idea of all Israel becoming priests and becoming like a light to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the city on a hill, the whole city being this holy city. Um, so anyways, yeah. um, 
And that's fulfilled for us. That's fulfilled. And so then we come forward, we're kind of finally getting into Hebrews here. And we have this idea of Jesus, kind of like the, the first priest, Melchizedek, offering this sacrifice that's pleasing to God outside of, of outside of like the temple mm-hmm. and, the, and the tabernacle worship. Um, one that protects us fully and permanently from the destruction of, of the holiness of, of, of God by making us perfect in God's sight, mm-hmm. by covering us. So I don't know how much we want to talk about the, the covering of sacrifice, like what it means for a sacrifice to cover sin. I don't think so, because we don't even really care about that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, but that's the idea of, of Jesus' sacrifice, right? Because we still no, have sin, right? We Well, we do, but it is not imputed to us. Yes, because it's covered. <laughs> because it, no, because it is God, Christ having offered one sacrifice for sin forever. It's not just covered. He has taken away our sin. Covering is what they did in the Old Testament. Okay, so how's that different? Because they're both sacrifices. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So he's the author, he is perfect, and he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so it's not just this, like, covering until, you know, you sin again. It's actually an eternal salvation that's different. Okay. Yeah, it is. For every high priest. Okay, how much of this do you want me to read? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he, he became the author of eternal salvation. La, 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 la. Okay. Where does it say this? <laughs> by him. Okay, so we offer the sacrifice of praise by him. Yes, yes. And you want to hold that? Oh, wait. Yes, thank you. Okay. So. Every high priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, when he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them who are sanctified. So... I think that clears things up. <laughs> okay, so but what, what I want to bring <laughs> this into is... He's not just putting a blanket yes, over yes. our sins. He's actually... So Perfecting. what's actually happening here is... And this gets into interesting territory. There's this idea in Christianity of us being our, our current bodies going away and getting destroyed. And even now, new bodies being made. So like our souls going into new bodies and a new creation. Mm-hmm. And so in a set, so even Christians are described as, as living sacrifices. Okay. Being, being sacrifices and being made into something new. And so Jesus as the perfect sacrifice, instead of actually being consumed in his sacrifice, 
and, and just going the way of all flesh, was actually um, not perfected in his sacrifice, but glorified. So Jesus was actually made into yeah. something new. He was made into the victor, the opener of the, the seals, the, the, yes. the savior, and in his sacrifice. Yeah. And so in the same way, so, so Jesus was priest and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And not just priest, but also perfect priest. So it's kind of this super perfect priest person who's able to enter in the presence of God, who instead of bringing something else to cover his own sin and bringing something else to cover the sin of other people, offers himself as a mm-hmm. sacrifice to be killed. And instead of perishing as the animals did, he actually rises up mm-hmm. in glory. And in that sense, we share as priests in, uh, in actually having this ministry of, of reconciling the world and other people to God. But we also do that as sacrifices, giving our lives in service to God. Um, and then in that sacrifice, in that life of sacrifice, we are glorified into new creation. We mm-hmm. live and then we die, and so we share in the priesthood of Christ, priest Jesus with his death, perfecting in us with our lives. And so this is the idea of our reasonable service as living sacrifices. Sure, but but I I want to be clear here that our sacrifice is not in any way redemptive. Yeah. Or or sin cleansing. It's. It's sanctifying, but it is not saving. Well, it, it's kind of like this. So we kind of think of Jesus like passing into the temple and dying, and so he went somewhere else. But in a very cosmic sense, Jesus, our high priest, is actually currently in the Holy of Holies and will be there forever. Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Exactly. Now, yes, right, like you're saying, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Yeah, forever. Mm-hmm. So our work is not a, a redemptive work because our high priest is currently making intercession for us. Yes. He is. He's currently yeah. making intercession for us. And that means we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not as some kind of sacrifice, but as the ministers of God, like Isaiah was saying. Where yeah. It's not like we're laying ourselves out on the altar. We are. The sacrifice is done. That's the whole point. One sacrifice for sin forever. Okay, so that brings us to... <laughs> the final question. How are we priests then? Ah, excellent question. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this kind of goes into um, the first Peter passage, right? Yeah. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. His marvelous light. Pardon me. Right. Yeah. So, and there's this other idea of us being involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Was that like Philemon 4 or something? Probably. Um, what? 
Philemon 4? <laughs> wow, I'm not going to mock you for that. <laughs> I can't remember what it, it was. It was in 2 Corinthians. Oh, okay. But anyways. Um. <laughs> Philemon 4. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so Verse 4 is what you meant. Yes. Sure. Sure, I'm checking that. But, but anyways, so this idea of being involved in the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. is that there's only one yeah, never mind. I'll let you figure this out for yourself. Yeah. I know, there's only one chapter in Philemon. I think I was thinking of Philippians. I'm sure you were thinking of Philippians. Or maybe uh, second opinions. Now, but, but yes, the re- ministry of reconciliation, I think, well, that's one thing. But he, in uh, 1 Peter, it goes on to say that you may, like, with well... So it actually gives a lot of examples, like having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that they may, by your good works, glorify God in the day of visitation. It says to submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Um it says to honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Yeah. Um, and do well and suffer for it, take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. So. Yeah. So there's this yeah. idea of us as being sort of co-priests, sort of under-priests with God. Joining in this ministry of reconciliation, mm-hmm. not with our death, as Jesus did, but with our lives. Yes. Yeah. And and we are sort of building a... Uh, yeah. We're sort of building a kingdom. Yeah, like a, and it goes back to the Isaiah passage, right? Like you will be... Um, like you, you will reign with over... Not reign over the Gentiles, but it was saying like you'll be priests... To everyone, basically. Yeah. And you will show the Gentiles God's glory. Yeah. Through your lives. Yeah. And so I almost think of this, it's, it's not a direct priest thing, but almost the idea of Moses' face shining when he comes down from Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And so Moses was not God, but because he had been in the presence of God, he was reflecting that presence Mm -hmm. and so his face shines and so we have been given entrance into the presence of god by our high priest and so coming coming out of the presence of god being in the world we are reflecting that presence yeah yeah and so that's actually sort of where the term christian comes from why we call ourselves christians Mm -hmm. it's not just that we are, it, and it's not that we're imitating Christ so that we can become good enough, like the priests have become clean and enter into the holy place. No, 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 we're already there. It's because we are little Christs. Yeah. We're little living sacrifices walking around, ordained by God to mm-hmm. do his service. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's only by having access to God yeah. and His Spirit that we can do good works. Yeah. And, yeah. And what makes us Christians is our relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes us little Christ. So. Yeah. Well, and it's like that um, they know we are Christians by our love for each other, right? 
And in Hebrews, it says, like, after talking about you will have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, let us hold fast the profession of our faith and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And that's what the author of Hebrews says is, like, the whole point. Right. Um, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you are priests. You have access to the holiest. 